unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Nathan, I'm feeling good and doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, and we've got an exciting guest lined up for this week's episode, so I'm pretty stoked about what you have lined up for us today. I am too. Do you mind if I uh, take over from here? Sure thing. I'll play the fly on the wall like I usually do. Well, that's going to require a little bit of dissociation, I think. Okay, so here's my question. When you need some good advice for your business, who are you going to call? My way of looking at it is, is pretty simple. You need someone who knows it, not only because they've studied it, but because they've also done it successfully. In the best of all possible worlds, they've done it more than once. For example, if you want to take a cooking class, would you choose a class given by someone who has read all the cookbooks, watched every episode for eight seasons of MasterChef, knows where you can get the freshest ingredients in town, but has never cooked a meal for anyone besides himself? Or would you want to learn from someone who has a decent education in food preparation, but has also cooked and served hundreds of meals to happy customers, friends, and family? Me, I choose the second one because he's not only a teacher, he's a doer. Now, you may know Nathan Frazier as the announcer and my co-confabulator on Copywriters Podcast. But today, you're going to discover another side of Nathan. He's also an experienced entrepreneur and copywriter who has gone through the trials and tribulations every successful business person goes through before they find out what really works. Just a few weeks ago, Nathan released a new book called Startup Cheat Codes, Success Shortcuts for Your Startup or Small Business. I rushed to get a copy as soon as I found out about it, and I was floored by how simple it was and how powerful it was and how it had nuggets for any business in it. While it is pure gold for a startup, it's also, get this for all you business owners, it's a can't-miss diagnostic tool for any business of just about any size. I talked Nathan into discussing it today. You probably think I'm kidding. But at first he thought I was kidding when I asked him to do a show about this with me. He, I wasn't, and you'll see why in a minute. You should also know I'm not kidding when I say copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Nathan, thanks for agreeing to be the guest today. I am flattered that you asked me, so thank you, David. You're welcome. I don't know if you realize how much pared-down wisdom you packed into that book. It reminds me of Obvious Atoms, actually, a simple, short book that we talked about previously on this show. 
And the reason it reminds me of Obvious Adams is it covers the basics so well, so simply, so elegantly, it's hard to miss the essentials when you read it. And that's rare among business books, as I'm sure you know. I was wondering if, just to get started, you could talk about your own history as an entrepreneur, your experiences in a nutshell, and what got you to where you are today. A lot of failure got me to where I'm at today. When I first started, my very first business was a record label, and I didn't start it with a loan or a bunch of money that I inherited. My mom, I had a single mom. She was on welfare at the time. I had barely any money, and it was me and my brother, and we're like, okay, let's figure out how to start a business. And I learned some lessons after that. Because we were selling merchandise at shows, I was like, well, let's try and start a t-shirt business. Learned some very painful lessons there as well. I pretty much ran three or four businesses into the ground and learned one or two lessons each time. And then once I started learning about marketing was when everything started actually falling together for me. And copywriting and marketing, there's so many lessons in selling in copywriting and marketing that... I guess a lot of times when I'm doing client work and I'm writing for people and I'm setting up their sales funnels for them, a lot of what I'm actually doing is consulting them on their business, making it to where their offer is easier to sell, making it to where what it is that they're selling is more conducive with what the market is wanting. And so over the last 10 years, I've been doing it professionally for other businesses. My first business that I successfully started marketing for was Podcast Blast Off, which is actually what you use to host this podcast. And once I started writing advertisements for it and started pulling in recurring sales, people were like, hey, can you help us do that with our business? And so it's been about 10 years now that I've been writing for my own businesses and writing for other businesses. And over and over again, I kept seeing these same four or five things that businesses, when we go in, we just make these simple tweaks in these four or five different areas. And every single time sales would jump. And so after having this experience over and over again over the last 10 years, I, I decided to sit down because of where the economy's at and because so many people are fleeing the traditional workplace and trying to start their own side hustles or their own startups. I decided to put down the five most valuable, quickest, easiest to leverage aspects of business. And I, I'm glad that you compared it to Obvious Adams because that was my goal was to make it very simple and very obvious. And when people read it, impossible for them to not understand what was trying to be conveyed. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're going to be willfully defiant or ignorant, they'll dismiss it, but it's pretty hard to miss. And everything you say strikes a chord with me. So let's break it down a little bit. Your book sets out to solve a lot of problems startups and small businesses face all the time, and they really don't know how to solve them. Could you talk about the problems you see both with startups and with small businesses that are only performing at a fraction of their potential? I look at it like a, a bucket and we're pouring leads and prospects into this bucket or we're pouring customers into this bucket. And a lot of times there's leaks in the bucket where prospects are falling out or money is falling out. And the two biggest ones that I have come across over and over again is people not selling to the right people 
or not having the right message for those people and then not selling to those people over again, spending all their advertising dollars on getting people in to the funnel and then not retargeting or not remarketing to people who already bought. It's all about getting new customers and then ignoring those customers once you've gotten that initial purchase. So those are the two biggest key areas that for my business and for other businesses that I've worked with, those are the, once we fix those, once we say, hey, stop ignoring the people who have bought from you and sell them more stuff and stop trying to hit them with messages or with offers that aren't appealing to them. Those were, I think, the two things that I wanted to focus the most on in the book. And it's five cheat codes that are in the book, but those were the two that are the most common that I see in successful businesses where they can fix and become more successful. Could you do like a before and after kind of picture of what happens when you're not focusing on the right people, the right message, and when you're not reselling to the same customers? Yeah, the biggest thing is return on ad spend. You're just wasting all kinds of money on your advertising. This is the biggest thing when I go into a business that's already advertising and already having a little bit of success, but because their marketing messages aren't to the right people or aren't conveying the right message, a lot of times I come in and they're like, well, how should we say this? Or how should we position this? Or how should we frame this part of the offer? And usually the answer is, well, what does your audience want to hear? But it's so simple that people don't think that way. They're thinking, how can we convince people to buy? How can we make sure we're hitting all the copywriting template pieces correctly? And it's usually just, well, what do they want to hear? What do they want you to tell them in order to sell to them the way that they want to be sold? Instead of trying to make your bait attract the fish, find out what the fish are eating and use that as bait instead. And then you start getting a lot more return on your ad spend. And then again, selling to people who have already bought is so much cheaper than trying to go get a new customer. Usually for our efforts, we spend a third or less on selling to someone who's already bought than trying to bring in a new customer. And again, just having more stuff for them to buy afterwards, the customer lifetime value just skyrockets if you have more things for them to buy after the initial purchase, cross-sells, upsells, continuity programs, all of those are pretty easy to implement in almost every business model, but most business owners never think past that initial purchase. I know most clients, you like to keep what's going on with them confidential, but can you give any examples or disguised or anonymized examples just so someone can get a picture of what it was like when they were screwed up and what it was like when they were flying high? I can give an example of my own business because I don't oh. have any NDAs with myself. But yeah, the reason that Podcast Blastoff came into being is because we were building podcast websites for people over and over again. We'd build a website, then we'd have to go find a new customer. We'd build a website, then we'd have to go find a new customer. And we were making money, but it wasn't consistent. And then we decided, well, let's make a subscription program where people pay us to host their podcast and their website. And we have a pre-done, made-for-you website template and you can adjust it and make it the way that you want it. And instead of every month, we go out and find a new person. We just keep having people pay us over and over again. And most of our customers now, a lot of them have been with us three, four, five years. 
And instead of the initial $1,000 that we would get for a purchase to build a website for them, now most of our customer lifetime values are four, five, six thousand dollars $6,000. And it's not all up front, but it's recurring. And so every month there's money that comes in and we don't have to do the crazy roller coaster of entrepreneurialism where you're, every single month you're trying to find new clients, new people to work for. Okay. That's a great example. It's, it's real clear. And I appreciate that. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques. Last time I checked, a lot of people from the most advanced to the up and coming copywriters reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn has hired me 20 times. Yep. 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not. But he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab. Garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. So you've seen people have solved some of these problems, starting with yourself. I think you just answered this question, but if you have anything to add about how you discovered this path to success and how you're helping other people do the same. Most of it was trial and error. And a lot of it is going back and reading the classics. So many people are focused on like what widget they're going to put onto their website to get more sales or what new marketing tool is out there to get more sales. Most of the stuff that is in the book and most of the stuff that I find has the most impact is just common sense business practices that have worked for decades, centuries. And it's not the sexy stuff. It's the fundamentals. It's the stuff that is just really simple and not flashy and not bright, shiny objects. But um, going back and I love obvious Adams because there's so many aha moments that are just blatantly anybody who stopped and thought about it should be able to see it should be common sense, but common sense isn't that common. So that's kind of what I, my goal was, was pick the things that I, in most everything in the book, it's not stuff that I came up with. It's stuff that I learned from other people or were business foundations, fundamentals, and they still work. People are still the same that today that they were a hundred years ago. So the common sense business practices of a hundred years ago still hold true for the most part today. Yeah, that's really good. There are some things in, in your book that are probably maybe not for the truly greats, the Henry Fords and, and the Thomas Edison's, but now some of these things, it seems to me, are for whatever reason and probably because of technology available to a lot more people. I was thinking in particular of, of one idea in your book, which you call the genius zone. Could you talk about that? Yeah. So this one I actually got from uh, buddy Landon Porter, and I, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Landon as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, he he's the one that really helped me solidify this one. And it's the overlap. It's kind of like a Venn diagram, the overlap of what you love doing, 
what you're really good at doing and what people are willing to pay for. And where you find that overlap is where you find your purpose, where you find your genius zone. And it's important because especially if you're starting out a business to have all three of those in place. A lot of times we find something that we're passionate about and we're pretty decent at, but there's not a market for it. And we just bash our heads against a wall trying to figure out how do we get people to buy this? I want to do this, but people won't buy it. How do I convince people to buy it? For me, that three-part trifecta is important. And if any one of them is missing, if you don't have the passion, if you're not good at it, or if there's not a market for it, it's almost impossible to start up a business. And you might be able to do it, but there's going to be a lot of headaches. There's going to be a lot of pain and suffering that doesn't need to be there. So for me, that's the number one thing, especially if you're starting up a business, is you got to have that trifecta, that overlap of what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And what is there actually a market for? What are people willing to pay for? Right. I know for me, it took a, a long time to find that. And when I was reading this book, I was definitely thinking about my own business. I thought of a few things that I have in the works that are going to help me fill in on some of your five points even better. Have you figured out what your genius zone is? Yeah. My genius zone, in my opinion, is doing what I do right now, copywriting and doing marketing consulting. It's what I love doing. It's what I'm better than most of the people in the industry at doing. And it's something that people pay a lot of money for, especially the business owners that I'm working with right now. I've moved past the stage where I take anybody on as a client and I'm only taking on clients that qualify. And yeah, I, I love what I do. I'm really good at it. And there's people that, that are willing to pay a lot of money for it. So I feel like right now I'm in that groove, that flow, that genius zone. And when you find that in your business, when you find that in your life, everything just flows so much better and so much easier. And yeah, I, f I feel really blessed to be where I'm at. And I kind of started the book with that lesson because I think that that's the most important lesson is to have a business that you can flow with rather than have a business that you're just constantly fighting to keep profitable. Yeah. And it's funny. There's a lot of advice out there that says, do what you love and the money will follow. And it really leaves out the part about whether you're good at it, whether one's going to pay for you. So I say, but they didn't tell you how long it will be when the money <laughs> follows. Right. And then there are people that say, you know, screw your passion, just make money. And you see so many people, usually their health catches up with them when they do that. They're not happy about what they're doing and they push that underneath their conscious awareness and the body says, oh, I'm going to make sure you're aware of it. And the only way I know how by making you sick. And so it takes a while. Even when you discover this, you might need to develop the skill and the reputation and the sales skills to sell it. And it doesn't happen instantly, but it, I think it's, I think it's the correct formula. I agree. You also mentioned in the book, so I guess I'm not telling any secrets out of school here, that you have six streams of income in your life right now and you own three of them without uh, making this a forensic audit could you talk about that at all yeah so the first time that i ever came across the concept of passive income was when itunes came out at the time me and my brother were doing concerts we would go drive halfway across the state to perform at a venue we'd get a uh, 
quarter or a fraction of the ticket sales. And then we had to hustle and sell merchandise. We had to try and sell CDs. We had to try and sell T-shirts. And then we put our stuff up on iTunes. And then all of a sudden, we didn't have to drive halfway across the state to make a bunch of CD sales. We didn't have to go into the record stores and try and get them to put our CDs next to the famous rapper CDs so that we could maybe make a dollar or two every couple of weeks. Um, iTunes just every month would send us money from people that were buying our stuff. And so we started putting up YouTube videos and then sending people from the YouTube video over to the iTunes store. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. Like we went to bed and we had $3 and we woke up and we have $80. This is pretty freaking awesome. And so that's still one of my revenue sources is that I still get money each month coming in from iTunes, from Spotify, stuff like that from music that me and my brother did when he was still alive. I also have Podcast Blast Off, which brings in money every month as well. Then I have the book, Startup Cheat Codes. I have uh, How to Write the Perfect Sales Page, even if you're not a copywriter. And I have another book that I'm not going to mention because it's written under a pen name. But I have three digital assets on Amazon that money comes in every month for. And then I have client work and I have residuals and percentages on sales after I write the sales page or after I write the sales funnel for people. Sometimes those will pay up for a month, two months, and then we have to write a new one. Or sometimes they pay for a year, two years. And so I keep getting money off of those. So I feel pretty fortunate where I'm at right now in my life. It's not just chasing the next client. I have a lot of different streams that come in. So if I go four or five months with out a client, say I go get another face tattoo and all of my clients tell me, okay, that was just, that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I can't work with you anymore, Nathan. If that happened, I still have four or five streams of income that come in every month, even if I'm not doing anything. So I'll be taken care of and having my business set up that way where it's not just going and getting clients. I have other ways uh, of making money through the business and other related offers that keep bringing in money even if I'm not working. I think that that's a powerful thing that a lot of people maybe never think about or maybe just say, well, my business can't work that way. I can't have something like that in my business, but I haven't come across a business so far that that was true. Everybody thinks that at first, but there's always ways to bring in extra streams of income if you're creative. You know, people sometimes say to me, what's your favorite subject line on an email? And I always say, we're transferring money to your account. <laughs> yeah. PayPal. Um, well, okay. So let's talk about this book one more time. It's called Startup Cheat Codes. And how are people responding? How are sales going? And, and uh, how do people get it? So, so far, all of the reviews are pretty amazing. A lot of people are saying it's just what you started off the conversation with. It's straight to the point. It's simple. It's easy to understand. And to me, that is the most important thing. I think a lot of business books are written by people who are not copywriters. There's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of extra stuff that doesn't need to be there. One of the things that when I first started working with you, you were like, hey, if it doesn't add to the sale, it doesn't need to be in the sales letter. And I think a lot of uh, business books out there just have a lot of stuff that doesn't actually lead to anything beneficial for the reader. And so I wanted to cut all of that out. I wanted to make it a short read that just delivered exactly what people were looking for. And so far, that's what everybody is saying. Everybody's being like, hey, this 
book is a must have. This book is vital information and there's no fluff. There's no filler. It's just exactly what you're looking for. So you can go to Amazon. You can read all the reviews. I've been posting a bunch of feedback that I've been getting on my own personal Facebook page. You can go there and check it out as well. But if you want to find it, you can use the URL startup cheat codes, startupcheatcodes.com, and that will send you to the Amazon page where you can look at what other people are saying about it. And so far at the time of recording, it's all positive feedback. Well, that's great. I, I guess we're about out of time. Our, our guest today has been Nathan Fraser. And uh, Nathan, what did you think of our guest? I thought he was very interesting. He had a lot of very brilliant things to say. I'm glad you booked him and had him come on. Me too. Me too. And I'm sure our listeners are. So um, you want to wanna play us off the air? Yeah. First of all, thank you for giving me this opportunity to let our listeners know about this new project that I put out. I really appreciate it. And I hope it didn't come off too much like an infomercial. This episode was not sponsored by Startup Cheat Codes, <laughs> by the way. And if you, the listener, want to have more exposure to less self-promotional episodes, you can always find those over at copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, David, we will catch you later. Well, thanks for doing it. It wasn't an infomercial at all. I think there was some really valuable information. And the book is ridiculously affordable. So like less than a dollar, I believe. So, you know, go to Amazon, check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. And until next time, see you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.